0: I'm Justin
1: Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics.
0: And I'm Phil Wolf of the Nefers Initiative.
1: You're listening to Snakes and Stogies. The only
0: podcast dedicated to fine tobacco.
1: All things reptile related.
0: And the people who love them.
1: As part of the Repeticulture Network. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, oh, oh. Oh
0: right.
1: Oh look at it.
0: Would you look at it?
1: Georgia Wheezy, green to the backs of Mama BX and um, would you like to bounce with your brother that's platinum? How is everybody doing? Salutations. Boy, I got this other light setup that I bought for video stuff that does a bunch of different colors too. So I got one over here. I got one over here. Nice, nice. One's red, one's blue. I feel like I got this Kylo Ren stuff going on. And I have the camera in a different spot than I usually do, too.
0: You look a little more shadowed.
1: I might. I don't know. But How's how's my audio?
0: It's fine. It's perfect. Excellent. I, um, Reptile I was rushed, nerds. I was rushed to plug everything in, and uh, I don't know if, like, when I come in from inside to outside. Everything sounds fine everything has condensation, and I'm like, oh, worried I'm going to, like, short-cir- short-circuit something.
1: So. Well, fortunately, we don't use expensive mics around here, so if you need a new one, we just buy another one for $20. <laughs> well,
0: I'm not too worried. Actually, I keep it in the case. It's actually nice. I try and yeah. keep it presentable.
1: Dude, you know? I freaking love these mics, man. They're pretty awesome. For the price, I just... You can't beat it. You can't beat you can't it. Ah... But here we are. This is episode 126. Wow! Of snakes and stogies, we're back. It's been—I feel like it's been a while. Things, the schedules have been weird lately. So, like they our have. schedule's been weird. THP schedule's been weird. Yeah. We had the, you know, the holiday and stuff. So everything's been a little, little squirrely, But we're here. It's Monday we're night, back. and I'm, I'm excited. I'm glad. Yeah, it's good. It feels good to be and back. Instead Everyone of getting has... just the
0: foot, you guys get the whole leg. Nice, nice. Calves for days. Everyone, uh, in your neck of the woods, keep their fingers and toes from the holiday weekend.
1: They sure did. Good. It was fairly uneventful. It was kind of the, the weather kind of sucked here. It was. It's been off and on rainy. I'm sure down there it's been no different, but
0: it's been gross. It actually like monsooned like half an hour ago, and I know it's summer because I opened my back door and there's just like twenty five baby baby cane toads just like.
1: Feed me. Let me eat everything.
0: What's crazy is, man, like they just, I don't know how or why, but they just don't get as big in South Florida as they do in, you know, Northern South America. And it's such a similar, I mean, obviously it's not the same climate, but it's such a similar climate that you'd think that, I mean, maybe they're not eating certain things or I don't know. It's interesting to say the least.
1: Speaking of amphibians in South America, uh, there's a new episode of the Amphibicast out that I was listening to this morning that was talking about the history of uh, Tinctorius Azuria. hobby, Which I thought was very interesting. I have to finish it. I still got like half of it to finish, but the first half was really good. So shout out to uh, the Amphibicast dudes and uh, the good work that's going on there. I think we're going to try and do something together here soon thp episode or something i always kind of feel bad when i spring like dart frog podcast on jake because it's just <laughs> not really his thing and not his cup of tea i can kind of see the eyes like glazing over when i look over and he's just he likes him, but he just he you know he, he's not he's very unfamiliar with a lot of that so he's kind of yeah eh.
0: yeah i i like the whole dendro philo all that action you know but I don't have aspirations of keeping them. So I, I try and I try and learn what I can when I can, you know, and, and enjoy them from afar. It, it live vicariously through other Herpers and
1: other kids. Well it was yeah, it's it was just this episode was interesting because it talks about sort of when they first came into the country. Um the guy he was talking to, his name was Nick uh Zappa. Zappo. Okay. Um but he's put out a couple articles apparently. He has a website I need to hunt down, but he put out some articles that talked about the history of that species in in herpeticulture and how like it started out with literally only a handful of animals coming to the country in like the sixties and then it slowly like evolved and then somehow or you know, a handful of people in Europe got a hold of some and like how the bloodlines in the States right now, like there's not a ton of diversity genetically, so it's like this guy's making a concentrated effort to get different lines, you know, and sort of mix things up a bit and sure uh it was really interesting i don't know i just find that cool because it's species like that that are like a a flagship species for a certain group of animals where like the first thing you think of when you think dart frogs is usually lucamelis or Azurius. absolutely without a doubt like there's nothing else that's gonna pop in your mind maybe erratus but for the most part it's gonna be luke's and it's gonna be Azurias, and uh it was just cool to hear like this history of how how they they started you know when they first came in to where they are now and, and I don't know, I need to finish it, but I enjoyed it so far. So
0: it was good, man. It was good. Uh, Real quick uh, plug of a company that has nothing to do with us whatsoever, but I know I saw Clint Martin just joined in and I know how much he liked bang. I know how much Clint Martin, excuse me, Clint Martin loved my, my wood cup that Anna Maria got me, but uh, this is called a, a silly pint. Okay. Silly pint. And I feel like Clint would really enjoy this, too. So it's all silicone rubber, right? Oh, yeah. And me, Anna Maria, Matt, and Jamie, we got these at this brewery in Daytona when we were at Daytona last year and the world's most famous brewery. But it's a sippy cup for adults. And it has has a straw hole that will only allow to go in, not out. And then it has like a little stopper rubber gasket thing yeah. and it's a sippy cup for grown-ups and like we've had could...
1: people ask to order like us for us to because so like koozies and like other stuff like that that aren't yeah. apparel related people do ask us for and frankly we like we outsource it so we tell people like we can do it for you you're literally paying for the convenience of us basically handling it and you not having to worry about it so yeah, you pay if you just did it yourself but we've had people ask for those because i guess through some of like promo merchandise websites you can buy those and get them customized and stuff so yeah they are are pretty cool though
0: well i just think it's awesome because you can fill it full of gin Phil wolf style or like tonight you can have a lovely cup of coffee and it keeps it warm and it's Mm -hmm. warm or cold and it's a sippy cup for grown-ups and who doesn't love a good sippy cup you know yeah um i will say this too is i've been trying to play catch up on all the podcasts from all of like our network and npr and all that and Eric Hernandez's show, man. Fantastic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was, good good, show. that was a long time coming, man. Like, he's been on the yeah. list, like, the hit list for a long time. And if we've talked to any of you before about coming on the show, like, our hit list is pretty long. And we just slowly work our way down it. And, uh, like, I, when I tell people that are on the hit list, I don't want them to freak out and think that it's, like... You know, a bad thing or that we're like you're on our on our bad list or hit, you know, bad side or whatever. It's no, just, no. That's the hit list. Like we got to yeah, work man. our way down it, you know?
0: Yeah. But uh, he's he's a great guy, man. And that was a good show. So kudos yeah. to him and you.
1: Well, then, of course, like Luke Myers uh, out in California, he got him a Jamaican boa over the weekend. So he was posting pictures of that. And I was like, you it's like we were just talking about those. He's like, yeah, man, I just learned I, I was just listening to that episode before I got this all excited because it was like. You know, Jamaican boas.
0: Yeah, who doesn't love Caribbean boas? You know what I
1: mean. You know, I was who was I talking to about that today? I was talking to somebody online. We were going back and forth. It might have been it was Luke actually. I was like, for the most part, the Kylo Bothers group doesn't do much for me, but Jamaican boas make up for all of them for me. And see,
0: see, I don't, I don't think color and
1: stuff. Like, I don't know the other other Kylos. Just kind of. They all don't look say very that. similar. They all just look I mean, very similar to me. They that's, do. They that's, do. Jamaicans but... stand out because Jamaicans are gold and you know. Yeah. Yeah. What's up, Bert? The Podfather. Hey, what's up, Bert? We're not worthy. We're not worthy, man. Puerto Rican boas are cool though too. I think I'm more thinking of like Cubans and the Berry Islands and like the Fords and stuff like that. I don't I don't know. But Jamaicans like that's a that's a bucket list species for me. So uh, but, speaking of Clint Martin, this show is brought to you by blackboxcages.com. Check them out. Facebook, Instagram, uh, Dominican Red Mountain Boas. Of course, completely forgot about those. Keller, you're right. Uh, Keller coming in clutch once again. So uh, You need a cage, you need a rack, hit up Black Box. They got some really awesome stuff. Uh, we have to get the raffle together for this month. It's already the 11th, and we still we got to work that out. So, yeah. Maybe that'll be something we tackle uh, over this week or this weekend. We'll figure that out. So nice. Um, i G's. We're gonna have a biog up for grabs in this raffle, unless anything has changed, which I don't believe it has. Uh, that's a fantastic cage. I use them for my rhinos, and they work great. Um, I love them. They look really good, and you get a you know they're they're the right size without being too big. They're not too small. They're they're right uh, in the sweet spot. Goldilocks cage. It's just they're ready. like
0: they're like a TV vision without all the nonsense. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I think like that's my favorite way to like describe it.
1: The pothos of the... mine are friggin' taken off, man. It's good. It's good. Like growing up the corner and stuff, and like just nice. What's good. up, Hen Dog? And I just moved the barons into the bigger empty one of mine and it has been holed up in its cork tube not coming out because I think I, I shocked it a little bit with the giant amount of space I just gave it. But it was growing so fast. I was like, let's go ahead and just move him into the Bio-G, and then I had a an empty slot in the in the rack that I had to move a, you know, that psychotic email mask from, from Chris into and <laughs> you know, just did the usual sort of upgrade shuffle of, like, you get moved to this rack, you get moved to that spot in that old rack, and now you get this cage, and it's just the constant musical musical cages so yeah keller those would actually work really well for the proto proto bathrops it's a good size, Unless, uh, especially if there's uh, smaller ones yeah i was gonna say if it's smaller ones yeah <laughs> um did we
0: mention the fine folks of the pacific northwest
1: we have not
0: uh, almost they're too almost, busy almost, pining over uh,
1: the the black box stuff
0: so. yes they are joining us tonight in the group chat
1: they said they're cleaning snakes but they're going to be listening so they're not like excellent
0: they're here. They're in spirit.
1: Involved. They're here. their Their ears are here. Their eyeballs are not. So.
0: so yes. Shout out to Puget Sound Pythons, the Gendra, and all of the wonderful species that they work with.
1: Facebook and Instagram as well. Check them out. Uh, I believe they are vending. There's the Pacific Northwest Reptile Show coming up. Uh, I believe is what it's called. It's the PC or I don't, I don't know what how it's pronounced or what they call it, but I believe they are vending. So. If you're in that area, it sounds like that show's awesome. Yeah. One day when we're when we're rich, we can fly up there for a weekend and just ball out and. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah, and and
0: anyone who's ever been able to see their booth, like I mean, I've only seen it on social media, but
1: looks their booth is freaking, freaking cool, man.
0: It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Incredible. Like I didn't expect them to have like a whole end unit. Like that's very impressive, Chilton. Very impressive. Uh, so what are we smoking tonight?
1: Rustica. Oh, you got you a Roma? Like Roman? No,
0: no, it's deceiving. I haven't had a CAO in like Ooh. years. So I was like, you know what? Let me try something that I've never had before. So this is the Osa. I know nothing about it. It was a pretty wrapper. It says Olanco. Olenko olang, olanko Soul. San Angustin, Osa. It's pretty good. I thought it was a little dry at first when I was touching it, but nah, man, it's 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 still got good oils and uh, it, the the cellophane was like super amber, and I was like, oh, I'll take that one on the bottom.
1: Yeah, fun little hack for you if you're at a cigar shop and you're looking for cigars and you're shopping around. Obviously, don't toss up the box so much that everything's all over the place and everything looks like like you all the labels are all disjointed and weird looking. But like, dig around the bottom because usually when I filled them up, there was like four left in the box. That was when I would fill it up, and those four would stay right on the bottom. So you're talking about something that would continuously stay in the bottom of the box for weeks at a time. So, Perdomo Lot Twenty Three Maduros are awesome. I actually really like those. I I was tempted to get one tonight, but I saw these Nika Rusticos and I've just I've been on a on a Nika Rustica kick like crazy lately. Like that new Adobe is really good. I don't know if you've had it. Um, but it's like Drew Estate sort of price-wise like lower price point sort of daily smoke line and I mean this is like 850 for the Churchill and they're freaking good. The new Adobe is awesome. Like I've been smoking that a lot a lot. Um, but then the regular, this is the Connecticut broadleaf. And aside from just being super smoky, like they smoke themselves. Um, like you can't really see how much this thing's thrown off, but that is my only complaint with the, with the Nika stuff is just, it it's like, if you're smoking in a small room or something, you got to open up a door because you'll, it, you'll smoke yourself out. And it's just, yeah, I think it's I by design, but whatever.
0: Yeah. You think it has anything to do with a particular wrapper?
1: i don't think so cuz a lot of drew estates darker stuff does it okay i think they maybe they keep it more i don't know maybe they keep it more humid on purpose like they keep that that leaf wetter so that it yeah. does throw off more smoke i don't i don't know but it's just it's a it's a well known drew estate maduro thing cuz even the league is like the number 9s especially do it you know they just smoke smoke themselves so
0: yeah oh yeah
1: uh, and then someone asked, said the hats look good. If you are interested in the hat, please hit me up. Uh, I am, if I get enough sort of to get an order together, cause I don't like to throw these hats at, at Cammy at work all, you know, in one or two at a time. I kind of like to get them all done at once. Hit me up. Uh, and then I'm wearing this, this new Spilodi shirt that I, that I made. So if you're interested in a Spilodi's shirt order. Any of the other shirts you've seen me post as of lately on the THN, internets, let me know.
0: Yeah, I'm working on a uh, I'm working on a couple designs that I'm going to send your way. So one of them is to go with that that a shirt that you and Chris have, the yellow one. So
1: you like the Agernia Gang one? I feel like there's like I, three I people that, that would appreciate. That, where, where, where did you post that one? I didn't make it, I only sent you the picture of the design. I didn't actually. Uh,
0: Wait, when did you send it in the Facebook? In the Facebook, Jesus, not like I'm 60.
1: I sent it, I texted it to you. You texted it to me. I did. How did I not see that? I don't, you liked it like because my phone told me because I have oh, I have, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, 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 yeah. I think that one's great. You just, it says you liked an image, and I was like, that fool,
0: yeah, because I've been. I've got an Apple and I'm a superior phone person. Oh. Um, yeah, no, I thought that was hilarious. I think it's fantastic. And I like how. So it, three people will like that shirt. I would totally have that shirt. Having a gurney are awesome.
1: You and Julander would be the only people. <laughs>
0: I mean, Jewlander has them. I'm not that cool. <laughs> so.
1: Speaking of, Luke just texted me pictures of that Jamaican boa. Nice.
0: Nice. He must be listening or watching.
1: Or I don't think he does. is. It's just it's pure pure coincidence.
0: There are no coincidences with Caribbean boas.
1: So Yeah, uh your phone told you sign of the times. Yep, pretty much. That was like Phil's busy at work. He saw it and acknowledged its existence but didn't actually take the time to like really look at it because he's on the go. Well, no, what
0: that was is I was like, oh, a gurney gang, That's really cool. I didn't realize it was a shirt. You know what I mean? It's just like a logo. I was like, oh, that's cool. Because it's not on a shirt. It's just a a, a white template with the... A... Anyway,
1: I won't backpedal.
0: Excuse art. Me. It's art. It's art. It's art.
1: Because, of course, of all the, you know, the art and stuff that I've come across that's, like, royalty-free and, like, Creative Commons, I was like, of course, an agurnia of all lizards is going to be the one that's, like, It's like, what are the freaking odds?
0: Yeah. Well, I've been trying to take pictures of ring calls and then make them into like line drawings. And that is way harder than I thought it was. Yeah. You know, I've been
1: been trying to learn it on Photoshop for some of my own pictures with like some of the Bathoryekas and stuff. Yeah. If you send it to me, I can probably play with it. All
0: right. Well, the other problem, too, is like getting a good picture of the snake where it's not like I need a picture of it sitting still. But hooded and not standing up. And like I get a window of about 1.4 seconds before it turns around and looks at me, <laughs> you know, or, or hauls ass and slithers away. So but I actually got um I sent uh Matt at Cloud Forest Design some new pictures of some of my animals because I wanted some new labels, and uh, I don't know if anybody got any stuff from the Fourth of July sale, but I got a bunch of labels coming. And uh, he did some more, and I'm going to try and uh, help him out with some of the venomous stuff and try and get those anti-venom labels up and running, and uh, I'm excited about it, man. I'm excited. I love labels. I don't know why. You know, just showing off the animal. I mean, I have to have them by law, but I think it's cool, man. It adds a little, it adds a little uh, uh, science and, and a, little, a little uniqueness here in enclosure, you know? So, definitely out. He does a out. good job with them.
1: Yeah, Illustrator is much better for vector art. I'm just not as well-versed in Illustrator, so stick to what I know. I do use Illustrator at work, but it's very limited in what we need it for. So, Anything new over the last... Uh, it's been like two weeks?
0: Yeah, um, the Stiletto Shed, and now it looks gorgeous. It is a rich, rich dark navy blue with purple iridescence and when i first got him he was it excuse me uh was kind of um very very shy very like you know don't touch me don't look at me stay away go away human and uh now that it's shed it hasn't done the flying pinwheel thing yet but you can see how if i made the wrong move it's game over The thing is so on edge and, like, always shielding its face and just arcing and twitching, you know, very much uh, reminiscent of, like, when you go to touch a hook to, like, a retic and they do that bucking thing.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And, dude, like, I wanted to just reach in and, like, grab the cork piece with my hand. And I was like, that's a don't do that. Don't just don't do that. And I want to be using hemostats and, like, trying to grab cork with hemostats is, like really difficult yeah you know you don't like think about things like that and uh, i went up using two hands and opening it wide enough to like grab <laughs> the whole cork piece i mean the, the tub's only like a like a 24 quart right but i went up lifting it up and the minute i did that he gave like a twitch or it excuse me gave like a twitch and i was like this is not what happened four days ago <laughs> you know what i mean and uh I haven't tried to feed it because I was in, it was in shed, but uh, I'm excited, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna ch- probably try and feed it this week, maybe tomorrow or th- or Wednesday or Thursday, maybe. But other than that, man, right. no news is good news. I I uh, have a my one of my larger male serastis, serastis um is honestly in too small of an enclosure. Um, is in a small tub. <laughs> Excuse me, and
1: Animal it's not that big. User. What's that? animal abuser
0: yeah i know and uh you're going to hell he eats he poops he sheds he doesn't drink god bless him and uh i took him out because i was like let me let him stretch out you know he's he's so he always sits there he just sits there does nothing you know i feel like the the dad and uh in uh in my pig factory wedding like you look so old you know and uh, so I take them out and I let them like slither around inside the trash, the big Rubbermaid trash can that I'm like stretches, stretches scale, so to speak. And I'm like, holy crap, this thing is over three foot. And wow. he's probably, it's probably a solid three inches in diameter. Like it's a big, big cerastes Yeah,
1: that's a friggin' diesel cerastes Yeah.
0: And I actually, I might get, um, I might tube him and get a tape measure and just because, it, it's probably one of the biggest ones I've ever had. And, uh, but now I think I'm going to officially give him his own black box because yeah, I, I need to, I've been toying around with the idea of doing an Egyptian theme and like the backdrops and foam. And then I look at, you know, Brenda and I look at Dustin and I'm like, all these people are having so much fun with foam. And then my buddy, Chris is like, dude, I have all this stuff. Like, let's just do it. So, you know, I have ideas for the fields vipers. I have some ideas for the Rinkalls in terms of like rock caves and water bowls, and I think that's the next step, man. Is I'm gonna get him a, a yeah. black box and yeah. do it up.
1: I'd like to do something for, you know, at least one or a pair of the bards, but right now I just I don't don't have much of a desire to to. Um, hunt down all the supplies and then put it all together and then you know just right now well i mean i've been i've been sounds nice but it sounds exhausting at the same time (laughs) obviously
0: i don't have all the hot foam cutting all that stuff but i've been saving i've been like accruing styrofoam from work and like we got a new tv at work like a big flat screen so the panel pieces that cover the corners of the tv i took those you know and uh and then somebody sent us something what's up You there?
1: Yes. Are you there? Can you, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes. Let's give me a twice second, if you're in Milwaukee.
0: Can you hear me now?
1: I can hear you. Can you hear me? Excellent.
0: You, I don't think we, I don't think I ever lost signal.
1: Oh, it must be this '90s '2000s playlist on Spotify that's like 20 hours long. Oh yeah, that, sorry. 108 clear. hours long. Jesus. All the so, Creed and and Janet Jackson your heart could desire.
0: Oh my God, ugh. Clint <laughs> Martin, what do I mean by tube him? So with venomous YouTube. snakes. Yeah, YouTube. Um, YouTube. YouTube.
1: Hold him in uh, your hand and then you take a video of it.
0: Yeah. Right. Um, with venomous They're snakes. I don't want to go hands-on if I don't have to, right? So instead of stressing the snake out by pinning it and grabbing it behind the head and restraining it, I uh, have clear plastic restraining tubes and I coax the snake into the tube. And once the first two thirds of the snake are in the tube, I grab the tube and the body of the animal so it can't back up. Obviously size of diameter of the tube is appropriate. And, uh and then i can you know do medicinal stuff or measure it or whatever so yep that's what they we, mean by use, what we say they use a
1: five gallon bucket for gaboons they just cut the end out of it
0: yeah right i have i have like python tubes and uh dude they're all broken they're all cracked because the animals are so strong at that size that when they flex themselves against the inner lining of the tube you squeeze harder to hold onto the animal and you, the, sh- the strength of your hand actually cracks the plastic. So
1: yeah. <clears throat> so yeah.
0: with the knob tails. So I've got one egg still cooking. To be honest, it feels good. It looks good. But it, at this point, at this point, if it wasn't covered in sand, I could probably get a read if there was something really living in there. But because there's so much sand, I can't Gotta get one of those egg it. candlers man. Well, no, I mean I have a an appropriate size light, but it's just there's so much crap on the outside of the no, egg. No, that... like
1: this the ones that I use that focus that beam in, like a it's a bright ass LED. But then when it has a little funnel on the end of it, it just completely concentrates it. Yeah,
0: but I don't think I don't think you're getting what I'm saying. Like this, the egg is covered in sand, right? Like, a, like you can't see. Sure veins, you can no, you, you can't. <laughs> I'm telling you, you can't. So I actually mm-hmm. took a little paintbrush and like tried to like brush it off and it's just like caked on there, <laughs> stuck on there. Um, but I do have two more females grab it. So nice fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed we we'll get some more.
1: Very good. Yeah, I, dude, uh... one of those one of those egg candlers has to be a raffle item. Like yeah. Those things are so frigging, I love that thing. That's like the best $20 I've spent in a hot minute. Like that thing, because you know how a lot of, so the issue with a lot of flashlights currently is they're like a single LED like diode, and then they have that convex glass on the end of it to help get the most out of that light it's really hard to candle eggs when you have that convex lens. It just gets in the way and you don't actually get a good seal around the egg to focus that light in. And so there's these egg candlers that are made for like chicken eggs and bird eggs. Uh, this is rechargeable, which if it were up to me, it would have just a battery in it instead, like double A AA or whatever. Right. Um, this is re- re- rechargeable, but um, it has a little cone that you put on. It has a couple different like ends you can put on, on it. Uh, but there's this one in particular that's like a focused little, conical tube and you put that on there and it just completely like shoots that that bright light straight into the egg and then like you can be i could have all the lights on and i could still see exactly what's going on in that egg no problem like i freaking love that thing man like i said i, I wish i had gotten one sooner because i don't even have to worry about it now like the little yeah. conical thing comes off easily but it doesn't fall off like when you flip it upside down um so i don't 100% like that's got to be a raffle item with this upcoming raffle cuz they're just I I love mine. It's nice Good. to be able to just not have to think about it, just put it up to an egg check real quick, check real quick, check real quick, you know, and move on. So.
0: Yeah, you got to so send me the link for that too cuz I'll pick one up. Yeah, cuz I'm using a, a little SureFire Stiletto light and uh on lowest setting it's only 5 lumens, but it makes the egg just glow, right? But I, I know it sounds asinine maybe I'll take a video when I go back inside later but it's just so it's almost like you took imagine this take your chicken egg from your refrigerator roll it in egg wash I've seen the pictures but I've and never then, and then roll it in breadcrumbs like you're gonna fry it that's literally what it looks like it's it's it sucks
1: and they make, they make egg candlers that are even smaller than the one I got that have the same sort of the, the sort of the the differentiating factor is just that that coned end. Yeah, well, it's a game changer, man. Um, I imagine I'm trying to find it on,
0: yeah, right here. And it, Vic Lorano says, "Just wash it off, Phil." I got to be honest. If I if I knew exactly when it was laid, like within a couple hours, I probably would have, because the sand was so light and easy when it when I pulled it out. But at the same time, I think it was it was probably over seven eight hours maybe even longer maybe 12 hours before i found it so i just was like you know what it looks good it 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 feels good it has a little squish to it i was like right in the box leave it alone and you know i'm trying not to be a helicopter mom and uh, we'll see what happens in another uh you know 40 50 days
1: so mine isn't the same brand i just sent you but it's like i think it's just the same people that make it they just put a different name on it uh text or facebook i texted it to you okay All right. There's a little uh, like small one that's meant it's almost like a keychain.
0: My Apple is lagging. Can you Facebook Messenger it and I'll put it up on the screen? Yes. Thank you. I finally downloaded the Messenger app. And You haven't
1: uh, had it this entire time?
0: No, I just use Facebook. Um, what is this? Messenger is an app downloaded from the internet. What?
1: The yeah, hell? you don't have to. It, it tells me to do that all the time. Oh. Facebook, you can go to hell. You already get enough of my information and Open. my devices. You don't need more. Why is this doing this to me? Open. I
0: I was literally using this yesterday. I don't know why it's being stupid. Alright. Oh my god, it's catching up.
1: Oh my god. Alright. What song is this? I don't even know who these people are.
0: Everyone listening and watching, we are professional, I swear. So there it is. Cool Top Rechargeable Egg Candler for monitoring egg development. Bright, cool LED light egg tester for chickens ducks birds goose nephros. it doesn't say nephros.
1: can you still hear me yeah i can hear you do i still exist okay yeah i got the little spinning wheels of doom on the screens from Uh oh you're still there don't worry yeah okay cool So yeah, that's pretty much what I got. It's rechargeable, and then you use that little tip that's on the top left, uh, and that's what I use. I just put that against the egg, and like that's meant, I guess, so you can take like small quail eggs and put them on top like that. Uh, and then the other ones for like bigger eggs, but whatever. Three hour charging. Look at that girl. Look how much fun she's having. Checking them to see if there's any chickens in it before they eat those eggs and like scramble them. I've done that. I've done that. <laughs> all about corns. Thank you. Really enjoy listening to you guys. Yeah. Thank you. All about, about. corns.
0: Watch it like it's not snakes, it's like an agricultural center. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Keeping maize alive. Maize. Uh, I did something that I wasn't expecting to do. I got a bufo in my throat tonight. Jeez, I keep coughing. Um, I moved the fuscus into bigger tubs. So I upgraded smaller wrinkles and into cages. And then I had extra 42-quart tubs from Container Store. And I was like, these would be perfect for the fuscus. So they got 42 core tubs, and they are loving it, sprawling out, stretching out. And I was thinking, even though the volume is larger, the floor space is, is not – let me rephrase that. The volume isn't that much larger, but the floor space really is. And I think about how we don't oftentimes look at – like, we look at the height, right, especially if you have arboreal species. But we don't always look at the actual floor space. At least I don't. Because I'm thinking about how is it going to fit in a rack? Am I going to be able to stack them? Am I going to mm-hmm. have to use heat mats or whatever, right? And I, I looked at that and I was like, man, this is like double or if not like two and a half the floor space of what they're in now. And it's only like 10 quarts more. But they're shorter. They're way shorter. So I was like, well, they don't really climb. So why not? So I did that. And and I can, I can notice uh, them actually uh, using it. Which I think is great, because for the most time they just hide into their paper, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The um...
0: Billy Jenkins says it's amazing. <laughs> 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 oh, Billy Jenkins!
1: It's the case with a lot of species. Man, you give them height and stuff. I think they're going to take advantage of it, even if it's yeah. temporary, and they're just like checking it out. You know, I still think they're going to gonna explore
0: yeah well i think it's funny that uh that like eight month old subak i got dude he would use the specialty enclosure design uh perches like every night every night he would be up on the perch sprawled out like some you know rock crevice out in you know the trans and he would be hunting like every night I and mean, if you
1: think about it that's almost a form of arboreal it, it, it kind of is nature. Yeah, it and is. Hanging, like you think about the the rock cuts and stuff we saw when we were there. Like some of oh, those yeah. are that's that's
0: just a it's straight
1: climbing. up up wall. Like it yeah. ain't even a tree. It ain't branches. It ain't angles. It's literally a wall. And these things are just rip, scaling away right up. Yep.
0: Yeah. So he used to use it every single night. Well, I guess now he realizes that he can sit in this one little spot under the. I, I still have my newspaper, uh, inkless newspaper and uh he sits in this one spot under the paper where the heat mat is right and he knows that i will bring the prey item his fuzzy or whatever i'm feeding him and i will bring it to him so now he has learned that there is no need to go up on that perch because (laughs) he can just sit on the heat all day and dad phil brings him his fuzzy and he literally comes out bites it yoinks it back into the paper and that's the extent of his life <laughs> so now i'm like making a mission to like at least once a week take him out hold them check them mm-hmm. make sure and like dude i don't i only see him once a week but i'm noticing the growth and i i, I think it's crazy because there's so many other animals that we have that we see every day or every other day whatever and you don't notice that you know when you don't look at him for a whole week
1: yeah you know <clears throat> i've got a chondro that that hangs out under its puppy pad pretty much all the time now and it's something that started a couple weeks ago and initially I was like well that's 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 off of the baseline that I normally see that animal at so I'm like okay that's something's off you know and so I take him out and it was one that I thought was a female that's actually a male and so I you know like I said took it out checked it over made sure there's no like RIs or any signs of any disease or anything completely fine still eats fine it now just hangs out under the puppy pad probably just as much, if not more, than it hangs out on the perch. And it's just one of those things where it's like that snake has never had, like, never been prone to doing that. But all of a sudden, for whatever reason, it just likes hanging out on the floor. And I, it's one of those things where I'm just like, if that works for you, man, as long as you're still eating and stuff, go for it. Go ham. I think it, it could the only thing I can think of that would be a reason why it's doing that is just it's a weight thing. Like maybe it's it is a chunky Condro, but it's not a full grown chondro. So I'm wondering if maybe it's just a a discomfort thing. But I've got a sibling to that same animal that's the same size, like almost exact same size, like same sort of body tone, same everything. And it that one doesn't ever spend any time off the perch, so I don't know. Hey man, different Let strokes him. for different folks. That's right.
0: You know, it's funny. Is uh, Mike Kosicki says, "Oh, Dad, Phil." So Mike Kosicki gifted me one of my favorite snakes, uh, an Everglades rat snake, and <clears throat> every Everglades rat snake I've ever had is a jerk. They're they're just they're rat snakes. Jake's are pretty
1: pretty pretty wiggly, pretty spunky.
0: Yeah, just well. I can say with bold confidence that Mike's produced baby is the sweetest rat snake. It literally just sits there. I can pet it in its in its tub, and I've been hand feeding it. And it, I hold the I hold the prey at him, and it just goes.
1: Thank and you. Takes
0: it. Thank wow. you. It's the most well behaved rat snake I've ever had. The transpacos is like, I'll be taking that now. Thank you very much. Nah, Everglades Snake? Thanks, Dad. For me. So, what's on the agenda tonight, my friend? Um, did you? I uh, forgive me. Did you have any updates from this week? I feel like I've been talking for the past 20 minutes.
1: Nothing that hasn't been said on THP. Um, Still waiting on the Ghost Tessera Ladies Island clutch to hatch. I was hoping that would have happened over the weekend, and it did not. Uh, How's Thorn Scrubs? Thorn Scrub eggs are good. 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 Those were very... That was one of those things where I candled them once they came out, and the veinage was very strong on those right out the gate. Nice. Five nice. five perfect eggs. Dion's are really good. I have a pair of those going to Mr. Matt Morris. Those are heading out tomorrow Two strongest feeders of that clutch so far. Nice. Um, you know, Matt expressed an interest and I was like, I got you. Cause I have a lot of respect for Matt. Matt's done a lot of good stuff. He helped out immensely with the Condro issue of the magazine. So um, those are going to him. I'm going to have some. So I took pictures of, of all the other ones. Minus, I think I have another pair that's going to go to Chris. Uh, and so I took pictures of all the other ones. And I was gonna post them on Morph Market, and I'm just not confident in the uh, the sexes of of what I what I popped on them. So, okay, I don't know what I'm going to, cause I'm I like all their first sheds I left in their tubs with them in case I was like, okay, I'll send this off tomorrow and we'll do some genetic testing to see what's what. But then as I've pulled some of them out and looked them over again, some of them are notably longer in the vent to tail length to where they would look obviously male. Like with Dion's, it's really not that hard to look at the tail and say that's. it's almost like hogs. Like males are really long and females are like super short. And so when I popped a lot of stuff, I only had one like noticeable male and the other ones were like, still kind of up in the air so i don't know if i should just label them as unsexed and sell them as is or if i should sort of wait it out a little bit well Um, i think you may not even have to i mean you may not even have to put them on
0: a classifieds ad i mean i'm sure if you put a post up on facebook of saying you know or not facebook excuse me instagram throw up on on instagram and say hey looking to rehome some of these if there are serious inquiries and just go about that
1: way man and then I have a two-female Caramel Miami that are Het for Diffused and Posse Het Diffused and Sunkissed. And what else? One other thing I can't remember off the top of my head. So those two, for whatever reason, of the handful that Chris sent me, those two have they they didn't drop feed off the off the bat like the other ones did. I've had to tease feed these ones twice, but within like two minutes of me tease feeding them, they're eating and it's down already. So as soon as those get probably another two or three meals on them, I'll probably post those up. Um, those are going to be really good looking corn. So if you're looking for some absolutely killer corn snakes, nice. those are going to be it. They don't look like much now because that, that caramel gene sort of takes some time to really develop and to come in. Um, I'm keeping a pair from that group that he sent me because one of them is already showing like the colors are starting to really come in early. So I'm like I told Chris I was like, I'm holding on to this one and I'm holding on to the male because I can tie that into some of the honey stuff and some of the diffuse stuff if they are in fact, you know, if those possets actually are carrying that that gene. So I'm gonna hold on to a pair of those, but then the other two Yeah, because it was five he sent me. So I'm keeping a pair. One of the females he sent me was for like for me, not not to sell, but to add to my group. So um, there's gonna be two females of those available. Uh, I think JT at Silent Hill even has some for sale there. I think the parents are from him originally, anyways. So oh nice. They're gonna be priced the same at what JT sells them for. I'm not gonna try and sell them for more or cheaper than that or anything like that. So yeah. Um, once those have a few meals on them, they'll they'll be going up. But uh, Billy Jenkins asked, "I'm dumb in genetics. What will come from the ladies on the Tessera clutch?" Uh, so we will because tessera is an incomplete dominant trait. Kodom, I say Kodom because it's incomplete dominance, it's just so clunky. So, when I once again, when I say Kodom, you know what I mean. Um, there's going to be some Tesseras in that clutch. Um, and then the ghost is going to be they're all going to be het for ghost. So, um, there's going to be some visual Tesseras, but they'll they're all just look normals, so they'll all just look like that, that ladies on the phenotype, or at least to a degree um so that's what me and chris are super excited about because this was kind of a joint project between the two of us he sent me that ghost tessa female i had that ladies island male. you know he sent her to me saying put it with put it with whatever you want but you know we're really curious to see what happens with that that ladies island animal so we're gonna see we know what you mean you're just wrong thank you cox have you and, heard Alabama uh, is trying to ban all king snakes, Mexican, California, and all southwesterns all? That's not surprising.
0: And Dylan says he likes how I give the Transpecos a western accent. I imagine that every time I anthropomorphize what a Transpecos rat snake is saying, it sounds like the uh, narrator from the old Pace Salsa commercials. <laughs> you know, nothing says Texas lacks like some Pace.
1: silent hill does have some awesome stuff available and that's why i i try to avoid their available page because every time i go on there like half that list i'm like yep i could use that i could use that i could use that i could use that it it
0: also doesn't help that they're both in a group chat we're in and it's constantly like hey look at that oh by the way we have this too and we also have this yeah yeah
1: Yep. And they post stuff and not and they don't really like announce it, so you don't really know they have it available until you go and look. And then it's like son of a bitch, when did he add those? And it was like, oh, yeah, I added those yesterday. I'm like, you motherfucker! Damn it. <laughs> um. So other than that, I mean, that's pretty much it. Like that that blood red girl still hasn't laid. Like I've watched the 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 lumps move closer and closer to the vent, and she looks like she's about to freaking explode. She dropped a slug, uh, like last week. So she's i'm i keep thinking i'm going to wake up and find eggs and she has yet to drop so i mean we're literally talking like any day or night now i expect her to to pop and that's i'm super excited about that clutch and i hope they're all good or at least some of them are good i'd be happy if one egg was good so it's uh it looks painful like i it it hurts to look at her it's she's got that much going on so yeah but at least you keep an eye on her and everything looks good so far. So well, I yeah. feel bad. Cause I check on her in the mornings when I wake up and then I usually check on her at night when I, before I go to bed and maybe I'll check on her when I come home from work. But I feel like that might be why she hasn't laid yet. Is Cause I'm like peeking in there every so often. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: Maybe <laughs> if, and they're not in the black box rack. So it's not like with the black box rack, I don't really have to worry about that. Cause it's so smooth. I don't have to worry about really disturbing it because I can do it slowly and it'll come out just as smooth and go in just as smooth. With this, like, homemade rack, it's like, or, 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 like, you really have to put muscle into it. And then once it gets to, like, that last third, it just shoots out. So, spilling your water everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel, I feel bad. She's probably like, what the hell? Obviously, you don't have this problem with
0: the black box racks, but do you have any racks where the weight isn't distributed evenly and it goes when you open it? No. Okay. uh, So, I've got two of those that it's both of them. I I don't want to say whose racks they are. Both of them are on the top left side, and I guess it's just maybe it's the way my floor is or where the carpeting is because they're on carpeting, and I feel bad. They're king snakes, and every time I open it's like, brrr,
1: and the snake's like, "I what hate the that
0: hell was that." <laughs> I feel bad.
1: I'm I, saying this is like, and I'm from a completely non-biased standpoint of black box racks are. I've said it once. I've said it a million times. The smoothest racks I've ever put my hands on. I have AP racks. I'll never own another AP rack in my life. Legitimately. For more reasons than just the fact that it's got this, the... The tubs have the stupid feet on them that catch, and I have to like lift the tub up to put it in all the way and like... Yeah. So help me God. The black box racks are the only racks I have any interest in having anymore because, once again... I can just open stuff and close it. I don't have water bowls flying oh, everywhere. That, I don't have that. to lift up the tubs and put them in. Like it's literally I just open the damn thing, I close the damn thing. I don't spill everything everywhere. I it it, it they've spoiled me at this point cuz like I yeah, that's what she said. Um it, you, you get old and you get tired of of certain things
0: and yeah, i feel we're at see. the
1: at the ripe age of 31 that uh i'm i'm done with with crappy racks
0: yeah especially in the 21st century
1: the only reason i have the crappy ones i still have is because i just haven't upgraded them yet because i'm i'm destitute so
0: yeah i uh, i have an old cb70 that i never i mean i used it don't get me wrong it's used but i didn't actually ever use it it was more of like a temp thing you know and uh the only the only reason why I kept it is because I know that I may need it for something in the yeah. for, in the future. You know what I mean? Whether it be, uh, you know, putting several animals in one tub or whatever. Because, but dude, it's such a, it's it's not a good setup. It's not. So I know what you mean. I still have out.
1: one of the ones my dad built right over here, and it's like. It's not my favorite because it also, some of the drawers are okay and some of them are really bad, especially close to the bottom. But, like, I'm holding on to it in the event that I feel like I'm probably going to have to have it soon. Like, I'm going to get to the point where I'm going to have to upgrade some stuff into bigger tubs outside of the, you know, the uh, the V35s. Uh, you know, so I have it. It's on standby. It's going to take a lot for me to actually feel the need to break it in and use it again. But, you know, so... Yeah,
0: and uh, side note, Mike Cuppins, tired of being inspired, tired of love, so inspired, however that goes, and now everyone in the group chat is saying that their animals have accents of their localities, so that's interesting, that's a a whole topic unto itself, I love it,
1: Uh, but that's it for updates for me, The thing that I figured we would sort of get into is, like, the bulk of the episode now that we're an hour in. Whatever Um, you want to do, man. I don't know that we've really talked about it before, but, like, treating imported venomous.
0: Ah. This can be either very, very short or very, very long, my
1: friend. Well, there's just so many sizes and shapes and speeds yeah, and like, and
0: species too. And and I, I say that because certain species I always do X, Y, and Z, other species I would never dare do X, Y, and Z for any number of reasons. So how do you want to kick this shindig?
1: Well, let's start off with like when with what you've dealt with in terms of things that have been imported, what is the most common imported wild venomous you've seen? And what was like the first rule of, or first order of business when they came in? And then how did you go about getting them treated for mites and then internal stuff and like. Okay.
0: So let's, let's break it down a little more if we can. So imports are cyclical, right? And that depends on both time of the year And because let's face it, some exporters and importers, they want to they want to get thing out. They want to get stuff out. Right. But there may only be a particular time of year where the animals are accessible at all, whether it's sandstorms or monsoon rains or the fact that the dude that drives the boat, you know, he doesn't live there that part of the year, whatever. Right. So depending on the locality, depending on the species at hand, uh, is how you're going to initially break, break down your, your steps of, of getting a fresh import, right? The first thing, no matter where it's from, I don't care if it's from the, you know, swamps of Indonesia or if it's from the Sahara desert, the first thing you do, everything gets hydrated and it's literally open the bags, spill out the animals, look for any kind of immediate illnesses, signs of, you know, injury or death and then those animals immediately go into a soaking tub of some kind. And it depends on the type of animal. Um, like cerastes, I don't do that because right. too much humidity, it's, it's, it's going to jack them up. But putting them in a basin pan of a few millimeters of water, they will immediately drink if they want it. If they don't want it, if they don't immediately put their face in and start drinking, I pull them out. Because the stress is too much, they're they're freaked out, and they may be hydrated enough. You know,
1: yeah, so, that's kind of what Henry's alluding to there. He said you need to wait a lot late, wait a while to treat anything until stress level goes down, which is 100 percent true for Ganyasoma and Boyga. Right. Um, those are two groups that you see imported a lot more than you see captive bred, and I am a firm believer in letting them have their internal parasites. For a while before you start hammering them with you know finbendazole and whatever yeah. else like that, you're 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 already dealing with a compromised animal. You're just gonna freaking blow out the kidneys and any other you know liver and stuff like that. Like it just it's so much on them that let them chill for I don't know what you would say. Like I'd give mine probably a month before I really started. Deciding to pump them with things.
0: Well, but. and that's the thing is it really depends on the size of the animal. It depends on the species. Depends on the, the habitat that they came from, and certain animals, I'll never deworm because in my personal experience, with like the which animals, species are we talking about? For example, um, people have yelled at me for this, and I know I'm going against the grain hardcore, but I don't like deworming <laughs> atheris.
1: Yeah, I, I see I that that like like makes sense. It.
0: And and I I have a pair of squams I've had for whoa. Do you think though thirteen fourteen years and I've never dewormed them?
1: Do you think that is because the likelihood of them eating a heavier mammalian diet is probably slimmer in the wild than it is in captivity? And so if you start pumping them with mice, that they're a not used to really eating a lot of coupled with you're filling it with, with poison, basically, to kill any worms with an already small species that already has small organs because right, of right. a small snake. Like, do you think that has something to do with it? Because I feel like that's a, that's a group that's, especially squams in particular, I mean, I'm sure they'll eat just about anything, but I see them eating, like, frogs and lizards being a much bigger right, bulk right. of their diet than mice and, and other things are.
0: Well, I think your, your points are extremely valid. But in my personal experience, it didn't for me, for the animals that I was taking care of, that I did deworm in an appropriate manner in terms of the right right chemicals, for lack of a better word, in the right dosage at the right time, they crashed and died. Mm -hmm. And it's to my, I am not a scientist, I am not an expert, but it was my personal experience that I think there is some kind of symbiotic relationship with something that's in there and let's say they have you know a, a, a tree worm which is the fill worm whatever and we the, wanna, wolf worm. the wolf worm right and we want to we want to kill that worm but by giving it the appropriate antidote to kill that parasite we've also killed whatever symbiotic thing is in there and they crashed yeah and, it, and it's quick like after the second dose skinny died done and I don't ever do that. I, I I don't. So until I notice something like, let's say, let's say I had a squam, right? And it's an import squam. And after six to eight months, it takes a crap and there's a giant worm in there. Yeah. I, yeah. I may, I may highly consider putting something in its prey item.
1: I've had know, that to, happen with condros. You know, right. Um. You know, they They take a giant, giant dump and there's a handful yeah. of worms in there. And it's like, okay, it's time to get the, uh, right. Let me get the panic ear out. But I've only had that happen once in all
0: the squams over all the yeah. years. I've only had that happen once. And it, I'm torn because I want to take care of them to the best of my ability. But I also I'm, I've am i seen too many go go south immediately after giving them the flagel or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it, that species, that particular species is something that I, I won't do it. Now, other species Uh, Like, for example, Boyga, Uh, you know, Henry mentioned Boyga should be given a Xanax the moment they come in the country, (laughs) which is very true. Um, Boyga, hydrate immediately, immediately hydrate. And then I lock them away in darkness. You know, I give them multiple hide caves that are that are basically, you know, butter tubs, margarine tubs, and and I leave them be. And uh, after about two weeks, I will put in live pinkies in a simulated nest and I'll leave it in there and I'll leave it in there for three, four days. And I'm assuming the pinkies is pretty morbid. They, they may die, but I don't want to, I don't want to mess with it. I want to leave it alone. And I will say that I also try and put them in a room that is not in total darkness. So there is still a light cycle. So like yeah. the, there's a, there's a window, the lights in the house come on and like light will penetrate in there somehow, but I leave them the hell alone. and And it's worked very well. I mean,
1: yeah. You know, yeah. I think see for me with the, with the Jansen I and the, and the boy it was not necessarily darkness, but just a ton of foliage, just pack out the cage so that yeah. if they don't want to see me. They can, there's plenty of spaces where they can go where they don't have to. Right. Right. Um, and then like, like you said, just leaving them alone, you know, that's cause yeah. you think about like they, if they're healthy, I mean, for the most part being imports, Depending on how how rough of a ride they've had, um, they should be able to live with parasites for like in the short term. Like they should have yeah. a parasitic load to a degree and be able to handle that just fine. Right. Because the point of parasites is to be able to survive off a host and spread. Not just like with any like with viruses. Like if you kill your host immediately, you don't tend to survive very long as a as a species or you know organism like the whole point is to to ride that wave yeah and then at some point hop off and do it again with something else so it's like if the animal is is struggling that much from the get then you might be you might have been been doomed to fail from the from the get-go but and and that's very true hydration is the biggest thing i think hydration initially
0: i've also had animals that came into the country looking like yeah. hammered dog poo and there is no problem with doing 50 50 pd you know 50 50 pd and yeah. water i've done that See, too
1: the only i don't know if this is if you've experienced this at all but i've like Pediolite, as soon as you open it and break the seal it shelf life is very short non-existent yeah so I don't know if that's if you've tried it with older Pedialyte and had any issues with that. It may just apply to like people in terms of the electrolytes and stuff like that to where it's well, like I don't, well you can't drink this anymore. It's not really any good, but Yeah,
0: I I don't I don't keep Pedialyte on hand. I only get it for that specific purpose and I don't get a big jug of it. I get it the smallest container I can find. And Clint Martin, we were joking about the Xanax. I, we do not give any reptile Xanax. That was a joke. Forgive us. Um Now I also think that certain species that are tough as nails, I really don't care to to worm them because, like you said, if they have a parasitic load, it's either going to live its life and be perfectly fine or it's going to essentially, I don't want to say pass it on, but pass it on to a point where. It almost rids itself of it.
1: See, and that's what I've wondered, too. Like, that's that's something, and I'm sure there's a doctor somewhere that I can contact and ask. You I'm know, sure better yelled after that. A yeah. vet or something that probably knows, has a better idea of that. Because that's always been my wondering, is like, okay, if they're not in the wild anymore, they're not eating wild prey, they're eating domesticated mice, frog legs, whatever, that don't right. have parasites, or if they, they do, it's very minimal, would that population in the animal itself eventually sort of dwindle because it's not new stuff isn't getting reintroduced at every meal you know or every other meal when it's eating things you know what i mean like right. every animal regardless of if it's captive bred and never been in the wild a day in its life or a minute of its life like you're still going to get like small amounts of nematodes and like things like this like yes. we we have that going on you know what right. i mean right so it's like there is a point where like they do just live with these things and they're just never at a, at a level where it affects them in any way shape or form um, yeah and
0: that, and that's also like what what doc lofman said on countless occasions how almost every single animal on the planet has a form of cryptosporidium living in them i mean we do too it's just now we're putting in a a a chemical to that's going to take away certain percentage of something mm-hmm. and it may not be beneficial at all it may be a hindrance who knows so i mean like snouted cobras dude we used to get snouted cobras in from all over east africa and dude those things would poop out some weird worms but i gotta be honest we we didn't deworm them because lapids are tough as nails Mm -hmm. and i mean i I don't i can't recall ever having an issue with it and i mean we may have we may have dewormed a couple of them but they just we just didn't do it because it just wasn't merited now i just recently got a bunch of import stuff in right and one of which is that baby clericus Mm-hmm. So I just checked today, the food lump is finally gone. And I, I was like, oh man, it, it lost that lump in 11 days. It took 11 days for that lump to go down. And some people will say, well, that man, that's really long. Or, oh, maybe that's too short. I, I don't know. I never really thought about was it like it being
1: that. kept at a cooler temperature than everything else. No, it's at, uh, 80, 81. That's, I'd consider that to be on the cooler side, right. in my opinion. That's, yeah. that's so, below yeah. average.
0: Okay. So now I'm thinking to myself. Imagine if I had put dewormer in that. It's just it's such a small you, baby, like dude, it, need, it would not kill that thing. It would kill it, yeah.
1: The dose you'd have to give that thing would be so tiny, right? Like it would almost be like, what's the point? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then okay.
0: and then I take my my whole mantra on atheris of not deworming them, so it's a mute. It's a moot topic.
1: But... Well, that too, I think, if you're also getting stuff at a younger size. That's like fresh babies, you know, like baby corns. When I've the baby corns that I have that I've that I've raised up that were wild caught, I never put anything in them because they're yeah. so small. I'm like, the likelihood of them having any serious parasite load is is very slim, and I have yet to have any issues or see any signs of any serious, uh, you know, infestation or whatever you want to call it. But, um, yeah, and I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm obviously not a vet, and um, yeah this is all just anecdotal and sort of my experience with things, but like, I'm at a point now where if I do deworm stuff, I start out with a pretty small dosage. Yeah. And just periodically throw some in a mouse or whatever and, and do my, you know, do my thing. And, um, that seems to have worked well. I just, I'm, I'd rather do more frequent, smaller doses than like several large doses in a single meal. I'd like to, you know, sort of, okay. So I got to Consistently keep them at bay until it's sort of sorted itself out. And I mean this could be smart, could be complete, could be a complete moron doing it the way I'm doing it, but I also haven't had to treat anything in a while. So
0: yeah, but that's valid, valid thought processes, valid reasons. So you'd mentioned nematodes, and I'm pretty sure I've told this story on here before, and people are gonna yell at me, I don't really care. This was a long time ago, we didn't know any better. Thoughts evolve, right? So At one point, I had a pygmy mulga, right? And when I got the thing in, it had worms. So I contacted a local friend who was not a vet. And that friend instructed me, okay, give it, you know, this dosage. And wrote out, like, we weighed it and everything. And we were doing um, (laughs) bovine panicure, right? And the thought process was to take a frozen thawed prey item and uh, use a High gauge no needle syringe to put it down the, the mouse's throat, right? So it's not injected sub Q or whatever. We wanted it to be easily, you know, if if the snake contracted with its stomach or whatever, some of it at least have got some it of it in there. Yeah, hand. yeah. It wouldn't just break down, right? Um long story short, uh, I gave it ten times
1: <laughs> the dosage.
0: <laughs> what did Gendra say?
1: Oh my god. Oh
0: yeah, we're not we're, we're, we're thank you Gendra. Thank <laughs> glossing you. Glossing over that one? Yeah, man. glossing over that one. Yeah. So, long story short, I gave it 10 times what I was supposed to because the guy did the freaking math wrong. And I did that 10 times. Every other week. So, it got 10 times what it was, was supposed to get. No
1: survivors in the parasite department. Every, but here's the kicker.
0: All the worms went away. But it still had subcutaneous nematodes. And that's because mm-hmm. no one told me that you can't deworm orally yeah. with subcutaneous nematodes. You have, so to, now... you have to
1: excise those yourself. Right.
0: Which... And then someone told me that you're not going to do that. not brave enough to
1: do. Yeah. Right.
0: You're not going to do that on a molga. You're not. And at the same time they're like, well, what you could do is you could restrain the snake and then pinpoint each worm and then inject each worm with Batril. And I was like, I
1: am not doing that. Batril, see. Ah, I Batryl, am not doing that. Mm-mm, no, sir. I've used Batril once in my life. That was with Problem Child, that chondro of mine. Right. And he still has a scar from that. Like, oh, yeah, works great, but that stuff is painful. Yep. Like, it causes a burning sensation. Oh, yeah. Uh, like I said, it works really great, but it's not my first choice. Same with Ivermectin yeah. when it comes to, like, spraying mites. Like, now I just use frontline spray. Like, Ivermectin is fantastic for killing bugs, but it is so easy to overdo it on that stuff that I don't even bother taking the chance anymore. You have to keep it in the dark so it doesn't go bad. So you have to keep it somewhere and like pay attention to where you're putting it. Um, Works great on mites. I love it, but that is going to be like my last recommendation for treating mites just because of how easy it is to overdo it. Yeah.
0: So long story short, that that mulga lived to be, Oh geez. I got it when it was about, 14 15 inches long i'm imagining it was probably four or five years old guessing and i had it for oh, like 12 years and then it passed away and it 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 still had the nematodes i mean there mm-hmm. were few and far between there's only maybe two left when i when it passed away Talking
1: about subcutaneous subcutaneous yeah yeah
0: and uh i'm glad i never tried because it could have been not good in yeah
1: sort of the the problem too with that and I think the biggest concern if they don't get excised or treated is like the worms dying and then the animal becoming septic right um, I've heard of that being a thing I don't know I can't imagine it's something that happens easily or it's not a regular occurrence but it can happen I, I like I said I've never I've never dealt with those. I've never excised any on my own. I've never yeah. had anybody excise any for me. Like, it's just one of those things where it's like, if they got it and they're fine and they're not, it's not affecting them. Um, right. Right. Whatever. You know, it's, yeah. is, they're still eating all their fecals look healthy, you know, visually from the outside, not under a microscope or anything like that. I would actually like to learn how to do my own fecals and get a microscope. And cause I'm, I'm interested in that stuff. Like I want to see, and be able to look at fecals and tell like, okay, that's, that's nematodes. That's, you know, tapeworm, whatever. Like, right. I think that's just a handy, Putworm, handy tool ratworm, pinworm. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's now, uh, I don't know, but
0: going back to, going back to certain species, um, for example, bothrops. uh, we usually will do some kind of dewormer on bothrops, but I wait until it's had at least four or five meals in it. And then I do it just because I don't want that shock to the system. And, you know, I want to make sure that the animal is in peak health before I start giving it, you know, drugs. Um, mm-hmm. So like Bothrops Asper, Bothrops um, yeah, your Porthodium that you love so much. Um, I, I don't think I've ever done it with Muda. I can't remember. I don't, I don't remember ever doing it just because they were so fragile, you know what I mean? Yeah, that We yeah. didn't want to mess with them, but like most of the like Bothrops. um, Wild caught schlegelike. We would do that mm-hmm. in four or five feedings, you know, give it a hit of something. Um, and then honestly, large bitus, uh, puffs, gaboons, rhinos again, four or five meals. And then, dude, those things are tough as nails, man. And they eat a lot. So, you know, you pump in 10 cc's of you know, panicure into a medium rat isn't going to do the it's going to do its job and not really hurt the snake too much, in my opinion. But again, I am not a vet, don't take, this but I wonder possible. if there's.
1: For some reason, I'm thinking there's like a fat solubility, like where the dosage would have to be adjusted because of the amount of fat to muscle in an animal. So that makes me wonder if bitters require a different dosage or not. I don't. I don't know. That's for some reason. I'm thinking there's like it's the same for I think some people. If you're if you're overweight, like they have to adjust the dosage because right. the fat has some sort of effect on how that drug spreads. Or how effective it gets transported to where it needs to go, I don't I, I don't know, like I said, they're just spitballing here, I don't, yeah, yeah, but you but also think... have to keep in mind too, with a lot of these drugs that we're that we're getting for these animals, like they're not dosed for reptiles, they're dosed for you know a lot of the stuff that I've used is made for for bovine and goats and stuff like yeah. that, and it's it's formulated for animals of that size, so it's not like dosed and ready to go for an animal that's that's tiny right, right. And that's why I tend to, to stay on the smaller side of dosages just because it's like it's concentrated for a certain amount of sized animal. Yeah. And these animals that we're using it for ain't that. Yeah. You know? So it's I don't know. I don't like to tell people that they should or shouldn't dose animals and things like that. I think it's something you definitely need to learn on your own and not point fingers.
0: Yeah. And, and and you know, we'd say that when in most... doubt, vet it out. Well, that's the thing, too, is that most vets are very there's a lot of vets out there that say, oh, I'm an exotic vet. And then you bring them a real exotic and they don't know.
1: Not a pet smart
0: exotic. Not a pet smart exotic. And I think that a good vet will say, I don't know. We need to look this up and consult other people. Yes. A bad vet will be like, oh, no, I'll just do this and that. Uh, Well. Uh, maybe
1: we a should regular to, vet you know is I mean? still better than no vet. Correct. It's yes, pretty much the, exactly. the 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 philosophy I've taken. It's like, yeah, sure, they've never seen a Jansen eye before. Right. Probably don't even know it exists. But yeah. they at least have more of a base knowledge in terms of like these things and these drugs and how they work than I do. Right. And if they're not sure, like I said, they have like a whole database they can, they can, they have access to. Yeah. Cause I oh, saw, yeah. I've seen Doug do it, my, you know, my old roommate. And I, I watched him cause we looked up some stuff one night. I think it was something related to Batril, Um and Gentamicin, actually, now that uh, Dragon Lair mentions it. Um, yeah. I saw him like look it up and there's like case studies and stuff that he has access to that he can read. And I, I as far as I know, like that's a, that's a, standard portal that vets can access. So, yeah, they may not know exactly what they're dealing with, but they at least have a fairly decent base to, of information to, to re- reference. And then they know somebody who probably right. does.
0: Yeah, they have a venue to to, to acquire the knowledge you know, if they need it. Right. So, yeah, I think it's it's just going back to the original question. Hydration is key right out of the gate. Um, depending on the species, not too much hydration that you're going to damage the animal in any way. I know that sounds crazy, but certain desert species, arid species, and so on, uh, de-stressing, leaving them the hell alone. Um, and then depending on the species, evaluating, and then obviously getting a bunch of food in them, getting some poops out of them to make sure everything is, is looking the way you want it to, whether it has worms or not, and then act accordingly, depending on, depending on the species. So
1: yeah, and my experience with gentamicin, I haven't really had any stellar success with it, but usually what what is recommended if you have something like an RI or some sort of infection similar is you find out the bacteria and, and if it's resistant or not to certain drugs. And when I use gentamicin on some RIs, uh, doing a nebulization of that, I didn't ever really notice any major improvements so it could have just been the bacteria and that that gentamicin just doesn't do anything for it and that's one of those things where you have to get a culture done and and look to see what you're dealing with you know that's that's wise so
0: yeah come to think of it though uh, in terms of deworming stuff i don't think i've dewormed any of my own stuff in a long time man a long time because i mean i have I have a good I don't do it unless I lapids. feel like I actually
1: really have yeah, to. And like that's if the thing is it's absolutely necessary. Right. I don't bother with it. I don't. Right. Right. Uh yeah. see, I I've only used it as a nebulization.
0: Yeah, injections are no bueno. I'm not a fan of injections. It's not cool.
1: Yeah, another fun fact, never use ivermectin with chelonians or colonians. Yeah. Cuz yeah. it is it will 1000% kill them. Yeah. As soon as it crosses that blood brain barrier, they are done. Paralyzed. There is, um, certain, uh, uh,
0: institutions that actually use that as a euthanasia f- for turtles. Certain species of turtles that cannot be released or given away to anyone. That's their- I
1: mentioned it at some point yeah. when I had a, I had a Bairds that, um, got him from a show and I was treating for mites. And at the time I was using the ivermectin solution that I, that I loved at the time and it worked really well. And I was like, this is great. And then that snake was not acting right. And that snake was paralyzed from straight up, like the neck down for at least 24 hours, probably closer to 48. And I just, at first I was like, I just killed the snake and I felt horrible. And I was like, yeah, you know, she's still alive. I'm just going to give her some time. Um, Offered her some water periodically throughout and eventually she did turn around just fine. I haven't, I think I still have that snake and I haven't had any issues with her so far. Um, nice. Good. But it was definitely scary because I was like, I knew that it was easy to overdo it with. And I was using a solution that was extremely diluted to where the point where it shouldn't have caused any problems. But the problem was it was a uh, like a hatchling, like a, a mm. juvenile, very small animal. So it's different because that smaller dosage or that more diluted concentration It's still pretty strong when you're dealing with a much smaller system. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, but Ivermectin, like I said, it works great, but man, that stuff is, that stuff's scary. It's, uh, it works great, but it's also, you're sort of playing roulette. Yeah. I also think that
0: just going on top of like, uh, uh, new, new acquisitions, imports, uh, taking, removing ticks and mites and whatever else be very mindful of ventilation because yes. ventilation will kill your animal faster than any lack thereof it, or lack thereof. Excuse me. Yeah, correct. No ventilation. And I too I've much used, air will kill. Them. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I've actually, uh, I've, I've, I've made mistakes. I've made yeah. tragic mistakes because I thought there was more air holes than there was. Or I, you know, the animal was in the vapor longer than it should have been. And, you know, that's it's a learning experience for me. So that way it doesn't. So it's not a learning experience for anyone listening to it, if that makes sense.
1: Learn from your mistakes. Yeah. Learn from That's what I want people to do from mine, too. I mean, like I said, I'm not a I'm not the biggest fan of like basement veterinary medicine, but over time you kind of learn how to do some of these things through one way or the other. And it's like, eventually you get a fairly decent handle on it. And yeah, there is, I think a a degree, if you're in the hobby long enough and you keep enough animals, like there is sort of a a homemade vet sort of aspect on some things, obviously nothing made. We're not doing surgery on our animals, that anesthesia or anything like that. But you do learn, you know, the, the, Things you use to deworm, uh, the frontline spray I use for mites pretty much exclusively now, and I've not had any issues with that so far. And that's that's in terms of ventilation, like that's a big one. Yeah. Um, because that stuff smells strong. It's like alcohol based. It's odd, like it's alcohol based, but what's left is like very basic. So it's like slippery, almost like soap. Like leaves this very, very residue. Base. Right. When
0: when you when Justin says basic, he doesn't mean like like simple. It, he means it's base, base, like alkaline.
1: Right. Yes. Um, that stuff works great but that's one of those things where like if i i don't even really treat the animals with it anymore directly like when i treat stuff now with frontline i literally just spray because when i am put things in quarantine they're either on puppy pad or they're on paper towel i just spray that puppy pad like i hold it out give it one good pass if it's a puppy pad maybe two just because they're bigger like paper towel i'll have like two for a six quart tub you know how those selective size sheets fit perfectly in there i'll take two yeah. of those folded Spray one side, flip it over, spray the other side, let it dry out until I can't see that anymore, and I lay that in there. And even with animals that had mites on them, like it took care of that no problem because the animal's gonna crawl around and like coat themselves in that residue regardless. Yeah. So I don't find the need to spray the animal with it directly if it's maybe a larger animal, maybe. But I at this point, like I think initially when Stephen Cotts talked about that frontline spray, you know, he mentioned not spraying the substrate or whatever you're keeping them on but I kind of do the opposite now like I don't spray the animal with that I just spray yeah. the substrate and let them do all the work you know like the whole gloves and and the rub down and stuff like I've done that before too but I just I found it works just as well if you just spray the tub and then every 4 days or so I would swap it out with a new sheet if I kept seeing mites if it got to a point where I wasn't seeing as many I just kind of let it ride a little longer um but yeah, I mean that frontline spray works great, and it's it's nice to be able to just like spray the spray the paper, lay it down, and and forget about it, and obviously keep them separated from stuff. And yeah, if you've ever, there's a awesome paper that was put out on on mites that I need to hunt down and share around because it's uh it talks about the life cycle and like until you have a better understanding of the life cycle of mites and how those things work. Like, you have people that treat once, and then they kind of go back to how, you know, normal setups and stuff like that, only for the mites to show up again, you know, a week or two later. And it's because of that life cycle. Like, that's why you have to hammer for mites every four days, every five days, if not sooner than that, because they have... So there's... They have these phases where they are actually parasitic, but then they have these phases in between where they're not and so they kind of lay dormant and that's how like when people talk about mites, you know, they treated, they were all gone. And then two weeks later, mites were all over the place again. And it's because you have to keep hammering. Like you have to stay on top of mites for an extended period of time. We're talking like a month straight at least to make sure you've killed off all the eggs and you've killed off all the, all the you know females and stuff that are dropping them. Cause they do, yeah. they're like exponential in how they reproduce. It's really wild. Um, that paper, I need to. Like I said, I need to hunt down and send it to you. I'll probably put it in the THN Facebook group too because it's really interesting. Uh, and it goes through what mites like, what mites don't like. So they like darkness. That's why in like aquariums, you see them in like the corners and stuff. Um, they can climb surprisingly well. Like they're extremely mobile little bastards. Um, and they like it sort of on the damper side, so they don't like dry. Uh, environments. Um, but it just it just talked about, like, the life cycle of them, you know, all the sort of usual suspects for where they like to hang out, not only on the snake, but in the cage. Uh, I, I forget who did it, but it was just, it was very in-depth, and it was, I had a much better grasp of, like, mites and how to treat them after reading that, oh, because, yeah. you know, it was always one of those things where you just read on forums, like, <sighs> you know, oh, spray them down, or get this mite or whatever, and spray this, and then leave that in there for five days, and then do it again, and, like, that all makes is, is fine and dandy, but until you have a like I said, a better grasp of how that organism actually works and reproduces, it's much easier when you understand all that. You know, it's yeah. much easier to tackle. So
0: and I will say this too, is Smithy was the one who told me about your surroundings. So I kept getting mites on my quarantine rack, and luckily it was the quarantine rack, but I'm like, man, why do they keep coming back? And I realized it's the carpeting. And I'm spraying the enclosures or the tubs, the carpet on the ground has eggs or mites in it. And yeah, the just eggs waiting. you can't
1: see unless the eggs yeah. are in like a mass amount where they look like that white sort of dust, which that, that has to be a ton of eggs for you to right. be able to physically see that. That's, I mean, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Like,
0: yep. Uh, so like what I've done is I've taken some frontline and just sprayed the carpet, you know, just around where the, you know, the rack is or whatever. Um, Someone just said in there about, uh, you know, after you treat with stuff like that to remove the water dish, uh, 100%. But what I like to do is uh, I have an animal that has mites. I will immediately get a container and I'll pour in one or two inches of water, put that animal in there, let them get a giant drink of water if they want it. And at the same time, kind of like slosh them around a little bit to try and get some of the mites off right in that water. Then I'll dump that water down the drain and then I will use my mixture that I'm about to tell you guys about uh, to spray the animal in that container. I'll leave the top off, let the fumes come out, then I'll put the lid on, leave it in there for a little bit, a few minutes, five, ten minutes, not even, and then remove the animal while it's still foamy and then put it back in, the, in its enclosure after I've cleaned the entire enclosure out. So uh, what I like to do for my might kill spray is I will get one of the I don't know. remember how many milliliters it is, but it's the spray bottle from Home Depot. It's like the generic spray bottle that you use for like, you know, home cleaning stuff. And I'll wash it out really, really well. And then I'll take the empty bottle and I'll put six or seven sprays, depending on how like long the draw is of the spray of frontline into that large Home Depot bottle. Then I'll take like five or six pumps of antibacterial hand soap. And then I'll fill the thing to the brim with water and I will shake it up and shake it up and shake it up and shake it up and dilute it as much as I can. And that's what I actually spray on the animal. But I will never, ever do that unless it has already had a really, really good drink of water because I don't want it to be tempted to drink that poison. And at the same time. I do remove the water dish afterward because A, it already got a big drink and B, I don't want it to go in the water dish to try and wash itself off and now the water dish is contaminated with poison. So that's my personal, way, yeah. my personal way of doing it.
1: With the way I've done it, I've because I let that that paper towel and stuff dry out really well, I have yeah. left water bowls in there um, okay. and I haven't had any issues so far. I It's probably wise to go ahead and remove the, the water dish or at least have a smaller one so that if they are all up in it, um small in proportion to the snake so obviously with like a larger brettles or something we're talking about a, a smaller bowl that they're likely going to flip over and flood everything with anyways but right right um i don't that's one of the reasons i i kind of like spraying the the paper itself and letting it dry out completely is cuz i don't worry about that as much but um i have you know they mentioned predatory mites and stuff i've heard of people using those i know i think you've had some interest in those i I, I have
0: yeah nipper uses them for his venomous because let's be real nipper has all planted arboreal venomous and like that's like you're not going to spray poisons on your plants and your substrate and your your bioactive soil like you're just not going to so he got the taurus mites and it worked like a son of a gun for him and he literally just sprinkles a little bit in every enclosure and he never sees mites ever again knock on wood i currently don't have any issues, but the minute I do, I'm buying them because he had yeah. such great success.
1: Yeah, I don't know if mine is a thing anymore. For some reason, I'm thinking it is not around anymore. But
0: yeah, um, I don't think it is either. And, it, it could and be wrong. I have a feeling that it was.
1: It was just permethrin, wasn't it? I don't remember exactly
0: what it was, but. I feel like the idea of spraying an aerosol poison in your animals enclosure is frowned upon these days and I have a feeling that that kind of contributed to its demise. I mean don't hold me to that, maybe. But...
1: I've heard of people using lice spray like Nix. I've never used it myself so I don't know how accurate it's so like how well it Nicks, works. But...
0: All right, so Nix works like a son of a gun. I loved Nix. Nix was like cuz you could back in the day you couldn't buy Frontline. You had to go to the vet, right? Right. And and when you did go to the vet, it was these little capsules that you had to square on the back of your dog's neck. So there was no like, there was no easy way to get large volumes of Frontline. So we always use Nix, and uh, it was a very very similar recipe to what I just described with the Frontline. What my personal opinion is that they changed the recipe, and now it's lethal. And I would not use really? Nix anymore. Yeah, because uh, I've I've had some friends that. You know, I gave them my recipe for Nix, and they did it exactly how I told them to do it, and animals died. And I really feel like if you're in a quick pinch and you could, you, you can't get Frontline because Frontline
1: you can only get the Frontline spray online. Like I have not yeah, found, yeah, I, can't, I can't. It's I can't not a tractor it supply. It's not a PetSmart. <clears throat> I've I've heard that it's a Petco, but I don't have a Petco yeah. close enough to where I'm going to drive cross county to go and get it. Like I'd rather right. just buy it on Amazon and get it the next day or whatever. But um. Yeah, like yeah. I said, I think pervenomite was just permethrin and some other stuff. I thought, but I forget. Yeah, and and I, I
0: I'm I'm hesitant. You know, uh, Gendra is saying that they use lice spray. Um, I'm hesitant to tell people the next recipe because I don't want people to. I mean, I'll just give a disclaimer. I mean, should we just do that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So what I'm about to tell people is. I do not recommend doing this because I personally think that they changed the recipe and I don't think it's the same chemicals. I think they're harsher chemicals now.
1: It's because the lice are getting stronger. Right. But what we used
0: to do is we used to buy the little box of Nick's Lice Shampoo for children. And what it is, is it would be a small little shampoo bottle, maybe, I don't know, six ounces, maybe like two shot glasses,
1: right? It's $20.
0: And, uh, and it came with a lice comb. And instructions. That's all it was. And again, this is shampoo for children. And what we would do is we would take a one gallon store bought uh, jug of spring water, right? And you'd pop the top off of the spring of the spring water. You'd pour out a couple ounces so that it wouldn't overflow. And then you would empty the entire bottle of that children's shampoo into that one gallon of water.
1: See, that's that still seems strong to me. Well, even before that, it seems that seems like a pretty pretty potent
0: right so and what you would do is you'd put the whole bottle in and then you put the cap on the jug and you would shake it and you would shake that jug for i don't know 20 30 minutes until there is no more clumps of shampoo in there and then you would pour that solution into a spray bottle and you would spray and if you had poor ventilation you killed that animal it had to have high ventilation um and i feel like in the past we had ventilation and it worked and it was fine and obviously you wouldn't flood the animal but you'd take the animal outside in your hand spray it in your hand in the open air and then put it back in its enclosure and everything was fine um and then probably right around 2015 2016 something happened something changed and, and I sure I guess what like,
1: if there's there a chance that it was just that batch in particular, maybe that I
0: mean, maybe, maybe,
1: but I mean, I can't imagine yeah. that their quality control is that bad to where they'd have a batch that's like extra strong because of some yeah mismanagement of measurements or something. But yeah, um,
0: I just yeah, like I said, if you're in a pinch, that might work. But I, I honestly don't condone it anymore. I don't. So, yeah. you don't. you almost be better off going to the vet and getting a small amount of front line and doing it that way.
1: You know? So. Yeah. That front line spray is awesome. I mean, it's like 30 bucks a bottle now for the smaller bottle. I think I saw the bigger one at one of the show me snake shows, uh, earlier in the year when me and Jake were up there at black box last and the big yeah. bottle was like 75, but I yeah. find that smaller bottle lasts me months, a long yeah. time because I mean, I'm, I'm literally, I treat everything that I get, um for mites proactively regardless of if i see them or not i just if if something's in quarantine or something i'm going to spray the the paper regardless of if i see them there or not because yeah. yeah you know the eggs are small all that stuff like you could have hitchhikers whatever so i it took me a long time to really go through one of those smaller bottles but that stuff uh works works great and i i've never really had to worry about overdoing it or an animal getting sick because of it uh just the ventilation thing like you were talking about making sure it's aired out well before it goes into a a tub or a cage yeah yeah i honestly haven't had an issue with mites in a very long time you know knock on wood yeah um but i think it's because uh, of that just that pre-proactive like preemptive treatment of the of the substrate and stuff ahead of time so
0: yeah and i think that i mentioned bringing the snake outside in the open air and spraying it if you live in a place where you can't do that i totally understand i mean even just in your bathroom like over the bathtub so you don't make a mess that is 10 times better than spraying it in its in its enclosure and just closing the door like you're, you're gonna or kill spray, that
1: a, spray a towel and let it crawl yeah. through that like
0: yeah you can do that too and nice i will say this' texture for, to
1: rub it in and
0: um ticks um ticks actually what i've done before and this is probably not the best idea, but I had a wild caught animal that uh, several wild caught animals that had ticks on them. And what we did is we restrained the animal and literally just shot each tick with a squirt of front line, so you're not like dosing the whole animal, right? You know what right. I mean? And that would the, the tick would fall off because it's yeah. like, oh my god, poison! And then that was just enough chemical to get in its book lungs and kill
1: it. Mm-hmm. And you'd
0: find the dead tick like on the paper towel or on the newspaper or whatever um
1: i've also billy jenkins asked if frontline has a shelf life if it does honestly i don't know it's probably a very long time because i've had bottles literally over the course of a year that i used and they were they worked just as well on day one as it did day 365 so
0: yeah yeah i don't think it does i mean it may for
1: like sales
0: purposes you know but I, i don't think it goes bad so plus it's in like, like your cupboard. It's not like it's out sitting outside or
1: anything. Yeah, it's in an opaque bottle. So it's not yeah. you know, it's not exposed to light if it's I don't even think it's light sensitive. Like I said, it's alcohol based from what I can tell. It smells like rubbing alcohol when you spray it. Uh, yeah, really strong of rubbing alcohol, but um, yeah, I don't I don't think it has a shelf life at least that that is detrimental over a short period of time or anything like that and just like with so many other drugs and stuff we use it's like even if they're expired they still have some efficacy it just may not work as well as it did brand new but yeah you get on amazon though mike I think. yeah I, b- I bought mine on amazon the front line Oh, Jeff sent me a picture of some Rite Aid lice spray and preventamite, and the ingredients are permethrin. Okay. In the same amount. So maybe preventamite's just pulled the wool of our eyes and has been charging us, you know, our arm and leg for <laughs> yeah. lice spray.
0: Yeah, it could very well be.
1: Which, could. if you have, if your kid has lice and you got preventamite, just give him like a perm. Yeah. Give can a little squirt
0: like Aquanet. (laughs) So going back to the initial topic of treating import and import venomous, again, goes back to locality specific details, the type of the animal, and then de-stressing, hydrating first, then de-stress, then feeding and establishing a healthy animal, and then giving it, if you need to, right? We can agree. Did on you that. guys
1: ever? Did you ever have any venomous that came in that had a, a serious mite problem where it was like you had to get more hands on with it, or like what? I can't. What's the protocol think... for for treating for mites? Like when you can visibly see mites on like a, a decent size bitus or something? Like what's the it's no,
0: it's no different than a harmless snake. It's just larger. You know what I mean. And you're not mm-hmm. hands-on. So, but I will say this:
1: like when you get them all, like serious, and like the you know around the eye caps, and like you know under the the chin fold, and like all the the spots so that they like to hang yeah. out. Like when so, you can see them, and they're they're there in mass. Like what do you what do you do? With so what in the past, what I've done
0: is um, heat pits. I don't mess with because I don't want it to affect the snake's sensory uh, like its sensory concept and I know that doing the other treatments eventually those those mites hopefully will migrate or die and fall off. Um, but I'll first say that I cannot recall a time ever where we got import venomous fresh out the bush and they had mites even yeah. even even Boyga yeah like I don't think I've ever, opened a crate
1: it's it's a captive thing yeah
0: i really well i see i I don't know
1: where they originally like where they're like native to because it's the same thing like i haven't seen any uh mites on like wild caught corns or rat snakes like i've seen like orange ones that don't seem like the normal snake mites that we see in captivity but right right it's funny cuz Jake got a found that yellow rat not that long ago, a really nice dark one and he's he's was asking me about treating it for internal parasites and stuff. This thing's beat to hell, but it's a really good looking snake. Um and I told him he's you know, he's like man, I'm worried about, you know, if it has internal stuff, if something spreads and I'm like dude, frankly, like honestly, I have more faith in a wild caught yellow rat being cleaner than a lot of the stuff that you see for sale. Yeah. From other collections. I was like, in terms of like pathogens that are extremely contagious and like contaminants right. and stuff like right. that. Right. I was like, I don't worry about crypto and stuff with wild-caught animals. Like, I don't worry about snake mites with wild-caught animals. Like yeah. I don't worry about internal worms with wild-caught animals. Cause unless you're doing <laughs> like fe- like direct like fecal oral transmission or something like that. I was like, then maybe you have to worry about it. But uh I just I told him I was like, honestly, dude, like I I don't worry about wild caught stuff, at least native wild caught stuff, as much as I do what you get from other people.
0: But yep, agreed. So Dylan says, if you're going to spray your kids with preventamite, do it in a well-ventilated area or over the bathtub. <laughs> and uh, Scott Iper has joined us in the group chat. Hello, Mr. Scott. And he says that they are in, mites are originally from Africa. And it's in Ty's blog on snake mites on the Nature yeah, For you, you website.
1: I'll hunt that down and post that in the THN community group as yeah. well.
0: Yep, 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 yep. Um, so we, we were talking about before... Oh, we're talking about big, big venomous. So, for I'm example, like
1: mambas. What do you do with mambas? Spray them. Something fast and yeah. I mean, Ferrari, like, dude, mambas.
0: In I've just literally like went to an air hole with my mite <laughs> mixture and just was like tss, 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 like in like douse them. You know what I mean? And I've also done it where <laughs> I had an angusticeps in a neodesha, which was a fucking mistake to begin with
1: that sounds like a nightmare
0: um and uh what i did was i cracked the glass just enough for the head of the nozzle to go in and i sprayed my diluted mixture and it made like a fog and then I went on the side of the cage and i went <sighs> and i blew out as much as i could and uh, it worked it worked i mean i don't recommend people do that but it worked um what Mama i was going like, what the is Mambo was hot boxed, straight up hot boxed. <laughs> um, but no, all, all joking aside, what I've done in the past with like large, like big rattlesnakes or uh, like Eastern Dimebacks or uh, puff adders, what we'll do is we'll tube the snake. Okay. And uh, if there's like stuff in the eye, in like the eye ocular, like yep. nooks and crannies. So I'll tube the snake. And again, this is not with heat pits. This is just normal animals. Tube the snake, two people. One person's holding the tube and the body of the animal, and then I have really, really long Q-tips. I have like okay. t- like fourteen-inch Q-tips, yeah, right? Yeah. And what I will do is I will then soak the tip of that Q-tip, and you don't you can't get the ones that are cotton. You get to get like the nylon the spongy, ones, spongy,
1: yeah, the ones yeah, that are like the makeup yeah. brush kind of material. Right, exactly.
0: Well, yeah. not even the makeup brush. Like they make like a nylon one that doesn't fray. Because okay. like you know, like cotton q tips, they fall apart if yeah, you're looking at them yeah. wrong. Yeah, don't use those. So they uh, get all stringy and like they get all catch all, yeah, on things. Exactly. Exactly. So what we did is we got um I've done this a handful of times where you take this 12 or 14 inch long wooden wooden dowel q tip, right? And see you later, put, Clint. Good night, Clint. I put the Q tip, I soak it in front line. And then I take a set of long hemostats because I don't want to approach the front of the tube. If this is the, if this is the front of the tube, I don't want to approach the front of the tube like this with the Q-tip, because now if the snake goes and the person holding the tube loses their grip for whatever reason, my hand's getting bit. So what I'll do is I'll actually, if this is the Q-tip, I'll take hemostats. I'll grab the Q-tip with hemostats. And now here's my tube. And now my hand is safe, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And I go in and I just wipe frontline right there. You know, like a football player. And uh and that's worked pretty well.
1: Yeah. So I don't know. This is, just, this is something I was just thinking about, you know, treating stuff. It's like if this were you know, a really pissed off Veritas or, you know some other mamba or something weird, you know, it's like this is probably a nightmare.
0: Yeah. And Scott says, uh, you know, he's, they've seen wild mites on Notecus, which I think is interesting. And I have and, no
1: doubt that it's, it's, a po- it's possible. Like, that's not it at all. But I'm just saying, in my experience with the stuff we've had around here, be it uh, Nerodia or anything else like that, like, I've never noticed any, any snake mites yeah, on stuff. Yeah.
0: So. Yep. Yep. And Scott has officially called me a wuss for doing my mite treatment the way that I do it. Thanks, Scott. So, but yeah, I also think that I'm really interested in this whole tourist mite thing. I really think it could be groundbreaking for venomous keepers. I really do. You know, if not for everybody, because I now just, you're not I'd using be, chemicals.
1: I'd be curious to watch them do their thing, like find some mites and then get one of those predatory mites and watch it under like a microscope or something. Oh, yeah. That'd be cool as hell. Cool as hell. We'll you know, N-
0: eat- Nippers tell me it's like it's
1: it comes in like a little thing of
0: sawdust. Yeah, he's like he's like I don't know if the mites are the sawdust or the mites are in the sawdust, but he says I sprinkle a little sawdust (laughs) in every cage and they all disappear. So,
1: because yeah, and that's what I've wondered about that too. Is like, wouldn't you have to have a certain amount of predatory mites to keep for them to keep doing their job? Well, no, they die. Well, no, I'm saying like if you have a certain population of snake mites and then you have predatory mites, how do you make sure you have enough predatory mites to handle the regular mites?
0: So, from what I gather is the predatory mites live long enough to have wiped out the cycle for like one or two cycles, Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: then there's no more food and they die.
1: But you just keep introducing them until they're gone. Yeah. Gotcha.
0: Well, and I don't even think so. Nipper was telling me that he used, he went up using the whole container over the course of like a couple days because they're alive and they have to eat. They have to do something. So I don't know how that works. Gotta, what the hell does Nipper, Nipper know? What the hell does Nipper know? Silly Englishman.
1: That nerd.
0: But yeah, there's, there's, there's more than one way to skin a cat, so to speak. And with Venomous, I think as long as you're doing it safely for you and safely for the animal, I mean... There's
1: more than one way to yeah. treat a cat, to spray a cat.
0: To spay a cat?
1: Spray a cat if you want to spay it. I mean, go for it. But
0: yeah.
1: Uh, so I, was there was there anything
0: else to that subject that I'm missing or I'm
1: forgetting? Um, I don't think so. Uh, and another thing,
0: always have multiple, so i.e., two or more containers large enough for the animal that you keep because so many people have you know they they use another cage as a holding container they use a trash can like with venomous we use a trash can well if you need to soak something you you only have one can what are you gonna do so i i personally i like to have five or six different tubs of varying sizes for the specific animals I have. Obviously I have more smaller tubs than bigger ones because I have more smaller animals than bigger ones, but always have options that way. You're not scrambling to find one. You know, when you, when you walk in the room and all of a sudden you have an infestation of mites on your puff adder and the puff adder five foot long and you don't have a container to put the thing in other than your communal trash can, which you don't want to put in there because then everybody's going to get mites. You know what I mean? So have containers as a storage or, or a, a, a segregation container, for every for for every animal we have
1: use a 15 quart tub for a big ass puff adder i've done it and have fun getting that lid on i actually uh
0: when we used to do the classes underground um i used to show people how to put a properly and safely how to put a five foot monocle cobra in a large deli cup and uh it's very cramped but when you're, you know, evacuating for a hurricane or something, and you need to conserve space, it can be done. You just gotta be careful and know exactly how to do it. So, claro. Obviously, they don't live in there. You know, it's only temporary. So, animal abuser. Yeah, yeah, that's me.
1: Billy asked if I've locked in Daytona yet. I have not. <laughs>
0: what are you doing, Smitty? I don't know. That would have been the first thing I did at the new job. I would have said, look, thank you so much for
1: hiring me. I need these dates off. The boss is out of town. He's been out of town for like three weeks. Oh, but again, how long have you worked at the job?
0: Four weeks. Well, you're a poop face.
1: Four, well, six weeks.
0: Yeah, I would that I would I would tell just tell him flat. i would be like, "Oh man, I already am committed to this." Oh yeah, and, no, that's not you know. the issue. Like, I'm not oh, worried okay.
1: about the time off. Um, there's just other financial factors that may affect the. Uh, I get it. The happening. So I get it. I get it. We'll see. I'm gonna try to, but at this very moment, I don't know. It's it's kind of up in the air. So okay. Still get the kazoos made.
0: Excellent. Oh, and you definitely give me a price because that's going to be. I haven't, yeah, I haven't.
1: I haven't. Uh, I keep hounding the girl who, who's in charge of that whole thing right now. And she's like, I keep forgetting, which is fine because they've been crazy busy. Kazoo yeah. business is booming. Just so everyone knows there is actually a very large demand for custom kazoos. Awesome. I love it. Absolutely. But I also wonder if we got like 500 of those things and passed them out if we'd be told not to come back to Daytona. <laughs> nah, it'd be all right. Like, who's the asshole who passed out these? <laughs> they it's, all got have our, the... it's got our logo our on logo. it. Like, oh, I don't know, man. We'll say it was the NPR guys. as like a practical joke. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> Start a feud. Oh, geez.
1: The great kazoo debacle of 2022. Yeah, right? Oh, gosh. I like I got one made that's black and has, like, the acid green. Yeah. Like, I made it colors match the THN stuff. So I was like, dude, we need to get some of these made for Daytona. Yeah.
0: That's the idea, man. That's the idea.
1: It's not a soccer horn. It's much smaller. Much more obnoxious noise than the soccer horn, but. Yeah. I actually don't mind it. Like I listen to it day in and day out now because they do the tours and it's like an open floor plan for the the museum and stuff. And it's it's rough. It doesn't doesn't bother me. Like I I usually have one in my pocket and like as the there's we have this kid that's working doing like tours and stuff right now. He's like 14. And so like while he's doing his tour, like I'll be messing with him from the other side of the wall. Like while he's talking, I'll like make some stupid noise with my kazoo or something (laughs) or I'll pop around the corner and stare at him and like be playing it while he's talking.
0: Nice. Nice. That's good. (laughs)
1: That's good. He's like, this is a test, and you're passing. He's actually stupid good at it. Like, he's, nice. He's really got a knack for it.
0: Excellent. He'll be a museum curator like in no to, time. Just like to mess with him.
1: He's That's the cool. he's the new guy. I'm no longer the new guy. He's he came on board like two weeks after I did. So awesome, awesome. I like it. It's good. Like he came in, I was like, thank God, I'm no longer the new guy. <laughs>
0: so what else you got in your pack of tricks
1: i was gonna talk about like wholesaling stuff but i might have to yeah we'll save that for another night we'll save that for another night because that's a whole nother yeah that's a whole that's a theological bag of bag of worms yeah right (laughs) oh man see if he has any skeletons in his attic
0: yeah right there was another thing I was going to bring up, and now I can't remember it. We were talking about earlier, we were telling stories of squirting stuff with noxious chemicals. And now I can't remember. Damn. It'll come to me at two in the morning. I'll text
1: you. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it will. <laughs> <laughs> False Billy Jenkins. It's interesting
0: that Scott said that the mites are African, because now, like, I really am thinking about, like, I don't think I've ever seen African imports with, with mites on them. I mean, it could, be, it could be that we did preventative measures and, you know, they fell off before they really became noticeable, but I just don't recall it, you know. And then I think about most of the species that we would get would be very arid species, you know, ekkas and stuff like that. And it's all desert, man. And it just seems like that's not where they would want to survive, you know, yeah. Some of the fossorial stuff, some of the tropical stuff—that's got you know ticks, and t- ticks come in from time to time. But
1: I'm checking my my egg cam right now to see if anything's hatching yet. It's not. Oh
0: yeah, why are you not showing it on the on the screen?
1: Because sure. I don't have any way to do it. I just. If you had a Mac,
0: you could.
1: I do have a Mac. Oh, well then. I don't do have it. an iPhone. Oh, okay,
0: okay. So you're just fifty percent poopy.
1: I love their computers, but their phones can go to hell. Blasphemy. <laughs>
0: Good night, Billy Jenkins.
1: Yep, it's uh, the we're at out. that that two-hour mark. Smitty's got to stay up and get this bad boy posted. So, excellent. Mac is whack. Get out of here. I thought you said you were leaving, Billy Jenkins.
0: Yeah, go to bed, Billy Jenkins. This is a school night. <laughs> <laughs> it's the house of learned doctors. It's the house of learned. I smoke weed with Johnny Hopkins. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Johnny Hopkins and Sloan Kettering. They were placing <laughs> that shit up every day. <laughs> uh. This episode was brought to you by blackboxcages.com. There you go. Right there. Check them out. Facebook, Instagram, blackboxcages.com, blackboxcages.com, blackboxcages.com. And Peter Pythons, Facebook and Instagram. Check them out. If you're going to be in the you're going to be in the Pacific Northwest region and at that show that they have coming up, the PAC, P A C P C N W R S, uh, check them out. I believe they're vending. If they're not, they're probably hanging out. So hunt them down, and uh, we'll be yeah. back. Thursday for THP one something, 60 something, 66, 67 or 68. It's one of those. Um, I believe Derek Dykstra and Pia will be joining us to talk about the RPI stuff that they've got going on. Excellent. And uh, I'm sure there's some other things that I'm just drawing a blank on at the moment, but good that is the plan so we will see everyone then thank you thank you good night everybody